Welcome to the MS Gym Podcast, where we give you the tools to live life by design, not by diagnosis. I'm your host, Brooke Slick, and here we go. Hi, everyone. I'm back. Back after taking a solid month off to recover from a cranial surgery for trigeminal neuralgia. Yep, I'm one of the 6% of people with MS who suffer from this mind-bending torturously painful ailment. You see, I had already had two surgeries in the past almost three years. They were called glycerol rhizotomies. One of them got rid of the pain for a little over a year and the other one for only about six months. So this time I decided to pull out the big guns and go for a more invasive cranial surgery that's meant to potentially provide permanent relief. For those of you who might be curious, this surgery was called an open partial sensory rhizolysis. I could get a little more fancy with the description and say that it was of the cisternal segment of the left trigeminal nerve. The approach is much like microvascular decompression, also known as MVD, but it's not quite the same. My neurosurgeon doesn't recommend MVD for MS patients because it's typically not about compression of the nerve in an MS patient. It's more about the demyelination of the nerve. Even though on my MRI of the nerve, it showed no demyelination or uh, compression. But demyelination can be microscopic, so there's that. Whatever the case, I'm happy to say that so far, so good. No pain or excruciating shocks since the surgery. I'm also happy to say that for once in my life, I followed the instructions of the neuro and took a month off until I returned to, quote, normal activities. And when I say took off, I mean like off, off. Um, not quite off the grid, but as off as I get. I promised myself I'd make no plans, set no goals, pretty much had no expectations for myself at all. And that, my friends, was totally out of my comfort zone. But this was a serious surgery, and I wanted to give it the respect and the recovery that it deserved. And that meant listening to hours of podcasts, which I loved, watching Hallmark movies, becoming addicted to TikTok. Oh, yeah, I don't care if I'm 55, it can happen. And of course, scrolling through social media all day long. The large part of my social media feeds are Instagram and Facebook and include people and organizations in the MS space that I follow. Typically, I quickly scroll through and skim read most of the posts, but with all this time on my hands, I really got to actually read the entire post, not just the picture or the quote. I already knew from years of being on social media that there were certain themes within the MS space. You know, the inspirational uplifting post, there's the how I stay fit with MS post, how I'm beating my MS through diet and nutrition post. You know what I'm talking about. But one of the largest themes within the social media scene is complaining. Out of respect for my fellow MSers, let's just call it venting, because that's really what it is a lot of the time. It's venting in an attempt to connect with others who might be dealing with the same issues. You're looking for confirmation that you're not the only one. I totally get it. The MS community is one that deals with very unique symptoms and situations that only another MSer would understand. But there is one subcategory of the venting slash complaining contingent that always sticks out to me. 
It's the one where MSers complain about how insensitive able-bodied people are, how rude they can be, how they just don't understand, and bottom line, how they just don't get us. My question is to you, what makes you think they should get us? And before I go into this, because I know I may get some pushback on my opinion, this is my view and my view only, my view from somebody who's dealt with MS for almost 20 years, I've seen it all and pretty much experienced it all from years worth of drugs, years of physical decline, optic neuritis, foot drop, spasticity, numbness, and topped off with a stem cell transplant. I have ridden every bucking bronco at the MS rodeo. I get you because I'm one of you. They, the able body, are not one of us. They do not speak our language. When I say our language, I'm of course not talking about verbal language. I'm talking about the language of a chronic illness, the language of disability, the language of MS. And it's not always easy to decipher, especially if you're not the one living with it. That's where we have to ask ourselves, are we pissed off inventing because we think the able body are insensitive to us? Or are we being sensitive that we have to live with MS and everything that comes with it? So everything's going to set us off. Who knows? Maybe it's a combination of both. But ultimately, it's up to you to either educate the able-bodied person you're dealing with, which could be a spouse, a friend, a family member, a coworker. If they don't intuitively understand how they may be able to better help you on a daily basis, it's up to you to communicate with that person and let them know what you deal with and what they might be able to do to make your life a little more fluid. Here's an example. Imagine your spouse comes home one night and says, hey, honey, there's this new Vietnamese restaurant in town. Want to check it out? He knows that you're fluent in Vietnamese because you went abroad for a semester in college and thought you might be into it. You go there, and much to your surprise, the entire menu is in Vietnamese. And the waitstaff only speak in Vietnamese. So now what? Looks like you're going to have to translate for your spouse. You quickly realize all of the traditional Vietnamese dishes, but your spouse is completely clueless, not only about how to read the menu, but what the food actually is. What's it taste like? Is it spicy? Is it bland? You've been there and done that. You have all the answers, but it's up to you to clue your spouse in. You're the key to making this experience an enjoyable one for both you and your spouse. Over the following year, you continue going to this restaurant on a regular basis. And before you know it, your spouse is ordering on their own by not only being able to read the menu, but even telling the waiter what they'd like to order in Vietnamese. All because of you, over time, educating them. The able-bodied are not psychic, especially when so many MS symptoms can be invisible. What do you expect? They're not always going to know if you can't feel your leg on a certain day or that you have spasticity in your right hand and you can't turn a doorknob or get the lid off a jar of peanut butter. Don't be afraid to ask for some help. Lord knows I hate asking for help. It's just evidence that I can't do what I used to be able to do, that I'm not stupid either. And when your spouse or friend or coworker asks if they could help you, after seeing you get frustrated when you're having trouble with a task, trust me, a simple, that would be great, thank you so much, 
will make your life a lot easier and theirs. They wouldn't have asked if they didn't want to help. But let's flip the coin on this. What about the people who don't intuitively recognize that you're struggling? What about the people who don't automatically jump into carry your tray, open that door, lift that box, or give you a hand when you're having trouble getting out of a chair? Truth is, not everybody is going to get you, ever. No matter how many times they've witnessed your struggles, no matter how many times you've said, I'm having trouble with X, Y, or Z, some people simply aren't wired that way, and you're not going to change them. How many times have you told your husband to put the toilet seat down? You've been married for 25 years, and he's still doing it. How about your Aunt Harriet, who's always been a self-absorbed ass? Don't think for a second, because you suddenly become afflicted with a chronic disease, she's going to magically change her demeanor. She's still going to be a self-absorbed ass. Some people just aren't intuitively thoughtful, empathetic, or sympathetic. There's always going to be some selfish jerk who's going to park their car crooked in a handicapped parking spot. There's always going to be that person on the train who's not going to offer you their seat, even though they see you're using a cane. There's always going to be that person going into the store who's going to let the door slam behind them instead of holding it open for you, even though they see you're using a walker. It is what it is. And some of these people, you're never going to be able to avoid. But when you do have a choice of who can and can't be in your life, it's up to you to decide. After giving whoever that able-bodied person is a chance to learn your language, you need to choose who you do or don't want in your life. Who's lifting you up? Who's dragging you down? Who's bringing you joy? And whose toxic vibes leave you depleted? You need to get selective. You deserve to be selective about the people you surround yourself with. Yeah, I know it can get complicated when that person's a spouse, a boyfriend, or a family member. Maybe this is a turning point where you could reevaluate your relationships or at least distance yourself, if possible, from people who don't serve your physical well being. It's at least something to think about. Here's one more thought as I finish this little rant of my own on giving able-bodied people a break. You know how all over social media, you'll see these lists that are, they're labeled like 10 things you shouldn't say to somebody who XYZ. Could be somebody who was diagnosed with cancer, somebody grieving the loss of a parent, somebody who suffers from anxiety. You know the ones I'm talking about. Don't ask me why, but I always, I, I feel obligated to to click on those. I want to make sure that I'm not saying the wrong thing to somebody. But here's why I've come to hate these lists. Every single time I read them, a large majority of the things on the list are exactly the things that I would say to that person. Every time I'm mortified, I'm like, oh my God, I've been such a jerk all these years and I didn't even realize it. When in fact, all I ever wanted to do is let that person know that I'm there for them. Let them know that I care about them. Let them know that I'm thinking about them, praying for them, and wishing that their pain could go away. Just so happens I've been saying these things in all the wrong ways, I, I guess. But the thing is, I do consider myself a sympathetic, caring person. And according to these articles, I'm still getting it all wrong. That's just it. You might not know exactly what to say because you don't speak the language of somebody who's just diagnosed with cancer. 
who just lost a parent, who suffers from anxiety, or who has MS. To wrap this up, because I could go on forever with examples, I think it's important that we give able-bodied people some slack. They might not even know they're coming across as insensitive. It's our responsibility to educate them, be patient with them, and in the end, teach them our language. As for Aunt Harriet, ignore her. She's a self-absorbed ass. Much love, my friends. I'll see you on the next episode. For more information on the MS Gym, check them out at themsgym.com, on YouTube, Facebook, and Instagram. If you'd like to know what I've been up to lately, you can find me at brookslick.com. Thanks for tuning in, and we'll see you on the next episode of the MS Gym Podcast.